Welcome to the Omni Gamers Club podcast, the podcast for games on all platforms, from screens to tables to everything in between. I am Daniel Winter. And this is Mark Yuasa. How are you today, Mark? I'm on the mend. I think, I don't know, I'll just cross my fingers. I might be getting over this allergy thing. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, we, we, we had uh, the convention that we spoke about, Terminal City Tabletop Convention, a couple of weeks ago. And I'm, I've still got, I've had a minor crud lingering uh since then but mostly doing all right it says getting to springtime here in vancouver we can actually go outside again which is lovely yeah it's great blue skies are a glint of them so i'm certainly looking forward to warmer days it's it's, it's at least certainly nice to look out the window and see blue sky when you're indoors playing games (laughs) there you go Although uh, I did get outside a little bit today, which uh, I guess I could talk about as, as part of our, our news section, if, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's not really news to a lot of the people in the know, but we talked about our good friends Hot Banana Game in our last episode when we talked about their presence at TCTC, the convention locally here. Their first big game, Steam Up has been fulfilling for the last couple of weeks just happened to pick up my copy at our friendly local game store in vancouver downtown vancouver yes rain city games (laughs) yeah i saw that you did as well so i think i may have been the first person in line to to pick up my physical copy (laughs) oh brilliant yeah and of course they shared uh on their own social media the giant flat the crate uh, the cube of it showing up uh (laughs) behind the scenes so that was kind of fun to see so many uh, real signs of their dream the dream that marie uh pauline and i think hymen lee i think i was really excited to pick up my copy we interviewed hot banana uh, at my last podcast test coast games I've done live streams with them for past cons as well. I happened to playtest Steam up when it was making the rounds at Vancouver Playtest Group. I think everyone around them had a lot of faith that they could do it, but, you know, they really pulled it all together. And I'm just really happy for them that their game has met with such such success, uh, you know, success as far as I can see it. Uh, I just really want to give them all the congratulations I can for the release of their first game. Yeah, no, it's wonderful to see a, a Vancouver success story and, and one from a, you know, a different perspective than the, the board game industry tends to see. And I've seen so much hype among my friends. I, I was just watching um, a friend, Amanda Panda, was streaming some with uh, Pauline and Marie earlier today. So yeah, uh, lots of people excited for that one that I've uh, I, I, I've absolutely just uh, picked up some, some dim sum to celebrate. <laughs> we, we may be a little biased. It was very gratifying to see that we are both listed in the, in the special thanks. So uh, I've been sharing the, the joys of this game for uh, for some time. <laughs> yeah, I was very heartened to see that uh, our, our names side by side listed in the special <laughs> thanks area. So that's really nice to see that there. And uh, yeah, it's funny, while I was walking home, basically in between me, my home, and Rain City Games is Vancouver Chinatown. Mm-hmm. So my uh, oldest kid and I walked home from Rain City Games, and we had a little impromptu dim sum photo tour. We shot uh, photos of the game box and the little little squishy, <laughs> I guess, steam bun mascot that you can find uh, in the special edition. So that was a fantastic, uh, you know, by chance, we just happened to walk by that route. So it worked out well, and I'll be sharing those photos soon. Excellent. I, I'm never going to get sick of, of squishing those those little bow buns. And yeah, I, I'm, I've never had proper dim sum in vancouver so one of these days we'll have to go out and and celebrate (laughs) oh yeah yeah i have a couple of spots that i like so i'd be happy to take you there my family could not be bigger fans of dumplings in general (laughs) and and certainly uh dim sum in specific so uh, i know that game was going to be a super hit with my family so I, i can't wait to share it with them in fact, you can actually check out some of my... I, I, I covered this game as a preview when it was back in Kickstarter. That video is on my, my YouTube channel, Board Game Feast, where I actually made some of my own uh, dim sum at home. So you can check out that video. As for my news this week, I was in a flashback to our very first episode on the Lost Ruins of Arnak. They just announced that there is a new expansion coming out for that game. The Lost Expedition, I believe it's called. And that's their second uh, expansion, right? Because they had the leaders already, the, ex- yes. the expedition leaders. I, I I do have that first expansion, and I haven't tried it yet. Uh, I, I, I have heard many uh, comments that it sort of helps fix the issues with the, with the base game, for what it's worth. Uh, it makes it a much more uh, 
asymmetric experience and and sort of speeds up the base game make each game feel a little more different so the second expansion is um flashing back to there was a, a solo campaign that was basically added on as an app i think you had to print and play some cards and use an app and there was like a four mission scenario uh, that it was quite interesting. It really shifted up, shook up a lot of the base rules of that game, uh, and a fun little story involved. And they, I believe, this expansion is now expanding that with new new components and uh, extra story missions and all kinds of things, and and also just a bunch of basic stuff for the for the regular game. So uh, I'm, I'm tentatively curious to check that out. Eagle-eared listeners will know that we talked quite a bit about. Uh, Arnak in comparison to one of our more recent uh, games we covered, which was the Dune Imperium, another worker placement deck building game. So there were some criticisms, fair or otherwise, that we <laughs> lobbied towards both games, but certainly Arnak. So I'm very curious to see whether these new expansions, you know, kind of patched up some of those holes or or expanded it beyond, you know, what we can uh, what we initially imagined. Exactly. I, I am more inclined to want to play in Dune Imperium these days, but uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how the expansion shakes things up, at least. Very exciting. Well, it's great to see that both of those games have uh, continued to keep gamers' interests uh, so many months after their initial release. Absolutely. Yeah, they've got a long tail. Uh, as, long, as long as this podcast, <laughs> in fact. <laughs> yeah, we're still plowing along over a year, uh, so we're very happy about that, obviously. Okay, so for today's playlist, uh, or our main featured game at least, we're going to be talking about Hi-Fi Rush later. But first, what else have you been playing lately? Yeah, uh, to be honest, I haven't been playing a lot in the way of games. I've kind of been switching my time uh, towards more reading, mostly of manga. And I'm trying to brush up on my uh, Japanese reading as well. So I've been doing some kind of learning uh, books. But I did fit a couple of uh, games in. I'll mention the first one is an older game. It's an older, it's a 10, I think it's at least 10 years old, the original one, but I've started to play the the remake that came out a few years ago. It's called The Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. Of course, the original one was called Colon Reckoning. This is a action RPG, I guess, sort of like a third person perspective along the lines of Skyrim, what have you, of kind of generic fantasy and <laughs> It has a, a bit of a storied background of a company that rose and fell. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of money that went into it and some controversial characters, let's it, say. It was supposed to lead into an MMO. It was like the, the precursor to, to, to gauge interest in, in, in an MMO. That, but just, just making this game alone, you basically collapsed the whole company. <laughs> very, very, yeah, very storied is, is one way of putting it. Uh, right. I read a very interesting story about that in uh, there's a book called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels? No, it must be, uh, it's by Jason Schreier. I think it's his other book. But he had, he had it was a, a um, chapter on that, which was very interesting. Yeah, it's interesting also because there were so many kind of big names attached to this, like um, R.A. Salvatore. Yes. The author, and I think even maybe, what, Todd McFarlane or something mm-hmm. was yep. potentially. And then some football guy whose name I don't know. Uh, baseball, and- Kurt, Kurt Schilling was basically oh, okay. the, the owner of the studio. Right, Kurt Schilling, not not exactly a prime example of humanity uh, in some people's <laughs> eyes. But uh, I don't have strong feelings towards those three individuals. I just kind of heard like you know semi positive feelings about mm-hmm. Kingdoms of Amalur. I saw it on a sale recently. I got it for cheap, and I've been playing for I don't know a couple of hours. And it's definitely, definitely a game. It's not bad by any means. <laughs> it's a means. game that you played. <laughs> it's a game that I played. It's a game that I might continue to play, but uh, it, it could not be more generic. Kind of forgettable in terms of story and character. But that said, I'm just getting to the part of the world where I'm starting to explore more and get out there. So we'll see if I keep at it. I, I do seem to recall it being likened to a single-player MMO and just its world is like the, the, the stru- way it's structured in the, in the different zones and obviously more immediate action combat, but the the level structure very similar to that. And obviously not, not surprising considering it was supposed to, to lead into an MMO. I, I did get some good reviews at its time, but never got the, the commercial success that it needed. I, I have been curious to, re- to revisit that one. 
Yeah, for sure. I'll play it for another couple of sessions. I haven't totally given up on it, but I don't have super strong feelings at this point. Yeah, well, talking of studios run by uh, nebulous <laughs> owners, I've been playing the beta for Diablo 4. I've been avoiding Blizzard games for the last couple of years, I'll be honest, especially while uh, Bobby Kotick is still in charge of that company. But the, the, the beta for Diablo was out, so I, was, I figured it was a good chance to at least experience the game without giving them any money and just <laughs> get an idea of what it's about. And uh, I, I played quite a bit of Diablo 2 and 3 when they came out, and so I've got a lot of nostalgia for the series. Uh, and it's still very early yet to say whether... It's hard to say how much is different yet until you get deeper in and start seeing the the way the, the, the gear is is doled out and the the way the way the, the skill trees advance. It, it does, moment to moment gameplay does feel very similar so far though. Do you have any experience with the Diablo franchise? Yeah, probably not as much as some, but I, I do enjoy that sort of loot-based action RPG. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the 3D iterations of those, like uh, the Borderlands games I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, all of their legacy comes from uh, Diab- the Diablo series. Uh, I played about an hour of the beta as well for D- uh, Diablo 4, and it's certainly a Diablo game. <laughs> uh so far it seems like just a really really polished another one of those i actually like how the cinematic engine is is going so far i, yeah. I like how there are a lot the, of cutscenes. Well, yeah the cutscenes are great even like the i guess the isometric perspective it, it zooms in a little bit it's very very subtle but I, I like how it sets up a scene without being so static in the camera angles like a traditional CRPG, like, I don't know, like a Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 or um, one of those, you know, traditional is- isometric CRPGs would be so fixed like that. It seems to have a little bit of an ebb and flow, like, obviously, we all know these are 3D models, but uh, they're, they're, they're still, you know, keeping to that tried and true camera angle for tradition's sake yeah so a nice polished feeling new entry into the the long-running series now i didn't play i haven't played diablo immortal the the mobile game so (laughs) i don't know i don't know if they made any innovations there or if they went and tried anything there. Like <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard the, uh, the, obviously the, the loot box controversy of a Diablo immortal, but um, I wasn't a huge fan of three either. I just felt like three f- really fell flat. It in, changed in a lot opinion. over the years. That one, uh, obviously with the, the whole auction house controversy and various iterations between the expansions. Yeah, basically I tried playing 3 and I just really didn't love the world. It just felt very gray and black and gray and kind of grim dark and not really inviting and I Well, I don't know gravitated... that 4 is going to fix that for you. <laughs> sure, sure, but you know, it could be it could be just a little bit more friendly, you know, like I that's why I've gravitated more towards alternative mm-hmm. action RPGs like like the torchlight games on 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 Very general, <laughs> I enjoy. They're a little bit more friendly visually, but anyways, yeah, Diablo Four. It's a Diablo game. I'll probably play it sometime, but I'm certainly not that excited about buying it on day one. Yeah, they certainly. I mean, this one doubles down on on the grim factor. I think it feels much darker, both both literally and figuratively. And uh, as I mentioned, there's a lot of cutscenes. I don't remember there being the, the, the character, the player character actually talking and they, they actually have a character now which yeah. I, I don't recall that kind of uh, so much more out. yeah much more focused on actual storytelling which which was never uh diablo's sort of strong suit was just get me to the next uh monsters to to to, to stab yeah it also feels very zoomed in i'm not sure if i'm, if I'm imagining that but the, the camera feels like even in combat the camera feels very claustrophobic uh that i'm not sure i i not sure that it feels great to be honest yeah are you playing on PC or console? Well, I, I tried on PC, and my PC is capable of running it, but was stuttering a bit. So then I jumped onto Xbox, and was pleasantly surprised to see that it has cross-save functionality. So my, I was able to oh, nice. get my character, 
and and jump back into that. And it, and it plays very well. I know Diablo three they put a lot of work into how that plays, and I think it was actually that 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 version that added the dodge button that is now in all versions, right? Which hadn't previously been on the, the PC Diablo. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I, it's an enjoyable game. I don't know how deep, uh, the, the new mechanics go just yet and how much it shakes things up. And I don't know that I'll be spending money on it, but it's a new Diablo game. So for what it's worth. Yeah, it sure is a Diablo game. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of those. Yeah. I'll mention one more game that I played, uh, just for the first time today. One thing that, uh, I, I said that I've been into reading manga recently and, um, we also, my family, my oldest is also into manga as well and likes anime. So we got a trial subscription to the service called Crunchyroll. Mm, okay. The premier Japanese animation specific streaming channel that's been around for a number of years. I never really had a paid subscription just because it seemed kind of expensive for what it was. Mm-hmm. But I've been kind of getting d- deeper into ani- anime and I, I de- definitely meant to check out this series that has been on the radar for a couple of years now. It's called After School Dice Club. Oh, yes, I've heard about this. Is the Western name. <laughs> but it's essentially an animation series about Japanese high school girls that play board games. There's obviously adults in there as well. But uh, I mentioned this to my kid. They were very excited about it. They've already started watching, you know, a number of episodes. So, you know, even the intro, um, the credit se- sequence has like the cutesy animated girls kind of dancing with characters from licensed board oh. games. Yeah, to be clear, this is actual like real board games. This isn't fantasy board games, <laughs> right? Yeah, like they they hang out at uh, board game cafes and whatnot, and and play board games at their after school club. And they're they're like real as real as real board games like <laughs> Hanabi and Six Nymphed and Coimbra and just very very well known Euro games and otherwise. So that's super exciting as a board game fan. Obviously, mm-hmm. does it feel but, like an ad in, in any way? It really doesn't. It's like there's this genre of sort of like informative. Okay. There's another uh, manga series that I follow that's subsequently been turned into an animation, but it's called. Koizumi, Miss Koizumi loves ramen noodles. And it's just about this cutesy Japanese girl. This is always a cutesy Japanese girl who just happens to be knowledgeable about ramen noodles, like ramen restaurants. <laughs> and every chapter, she goes to a different real world ramen shop and sort of critiques their, their ramen approach and technique. Huh. And it's obviously based on very 100% real world research and knowledge. And they have this about everything. They have it about baseball or baking bread, and they have playing the game of Go or Shogi (laughs) or or so many of these other things. But this is just that, but for European Okay, so there is a very sort of established genre of Right. So it's definitely not an ad. Like there's, it's the, the games that they've chosen are quite eclectic. And they're obviously intended to play up like social scenarios. So the scenario I, I just saw was a, happened to be about a game called Cockroach Poker. It's been around for a while. I've heard good things, but I never picked it up. Episode two, I think, of this animation happens to be about Cockroach Poker. And they play it up. They, they actually do a straight up teach. So about five <laughs> minutes of this 22 minute episode is just a teach of the game, which is hilarious. Like you could show this <laughs> to your game group and learn how to play the game. I think like that's part of it. Like it's a service. Hmm. I, I think you're supposed to show this to your partner or your roommate or your friends group and kind of ease them into learning something new. It did a fantastic job of playing up how fun this game could be, and we were so excited, my oldest and I. So today we picked up a copy of Cockroach Poker right along with uh, Steam Up. Excellent. We played a game of that after dinner, and it was pretty fun. We watched the episode of Dice Club again, just the teach part, and that's how we learned the game. Excellent. Yeah, it was fun. I think we need to play it a few more times to get the feel of it. Because it's very much like bluffing based. Like mm. the, it's so rules light. The rules are on like two sticky note size sheets. Couldn't be easier. Yeah, I know Shut Up and Sit Down have been big advocates of that game. I've never had the chance to try it though. 
Uh, but yeah, sounds interesting. We just need to get uh, Rodney from Watch It Played to start releasing uh, animated playthroughs now. <laughs> oh, there's so there's so much opportunity to do different kinds of media towards uh, you know promoting board games and hobbies like that. You know, and they just, get them in front of a, a new audience that potentially wouldn't have known about them. Yeah, so Cockroach Poker uh, seems positive so far. I'm looking forward to playing it again. Excellent. I'll have to uh, look up Crunchyroll. I've been meaning to look up that uh, show, but I, I wasn't aware it was on there. Excellent. Yeah, I think there's a two-week <laughs> trial, so that's what we're on. You should just give it a shot. I, I did have that trial, and um, I managed to get through uh, Odd Taxi, which is my, my uh, random anime recommendation. <laughs> that's, that's all we got through during the trial period. But Odd Taxi, very very good show. I'll check it out. <laughs> so it's uh, what I've had on my table lately. Uh, I think I may have mentioned in the last episode at the board game convention recently i picked up a copy of dominations in the used game sale there for amount that's uh, almost uh, embarrassing to admit how, how cheap this copy was including all of the expansions and deluxe components someone very clearly just wanted to get this cube of games off their shelf so i tried that out i, I, I it's just a civilization game if you use old now that i've had recommended by by a few friends and unfortunately now is is going to be very hard to find and that holy grail games has just gone the way of the dodo they are out of business and this is going to be a a grail game now so i i gave that a couple of games this last week it's a civilization game more in theme than mechanics i mean we could we could debate all day what exactly what it means to be a true civilization game i don't think this really has it it reminds me more of tapestry in that it has the trappings of civilization and and similar thematic terminology but you're not doesn't really feel like you're building a sieve you're laying tiles out sensibly into a map but they're basically just little triangular nacho tiles that are you're connecting colored nodes to give you resources uh and that that's insofar that's the only way that the tiles matter is just earning resources and you use those resources to buy technology cards that all have very thematic flavor on them, but don't really feel like they're implemented in an interesting way. Like there's this one will give you an income of two orange knowledge. This one will give you an income of two red knowledge. Why that's sailing and that's e-commerce isn't particularly evocative, but the puzzle that is there is very interesting You've got this two-layered puzzle of sort of connecting colors in both the map and your sort of personal grid of technologies. So it's very much a sort of efficiency engine building game, front and foremost. It it reminds me a lot of like an Uwe Rosenberg game of, of say, Caverna, where you have 50 potential things that you can build any time. It can be very overwhelming on the first game, and it's just, okay, here's 50 options, figure out the most efficient way through them. And so it really behooves you to fight, like to force yourself to try new strategies. It's fun, but it's going to require a lot of mastery that I don't know that we have time for, to be honest. And most most of my most of the table agreed that it's a good it's a, it's a good time, but it's, it seems it's a sort of game that you want to have a group that is going to play a lot of this game to really learn the ins and outs of it. Yeah, if it's not really getting you excited at this point, I, I guess that's not a good sign. I, I do enjoy it, and I want to play it a couple more times just just to see the expansions, just see what it has to offer. I played one expansion that's uh, called Hegemon, which uh, adds goals. So in the base game, I should clarify, you have these objective cards that have the names of a civilization, but are extremely arbitrary. It's like, oh, now you're playing the Egyptians who want to control a wonder and have red, green, and blue tiles. Now you're playing the Celtics who want to build cities and have orange, yellow, and green tiles. And it does, it's not particularly, again, not very evocative in how it's utilizing those terms. And it, the objectives weren't particularly exciting in how you just work towards them. But the, the, this expansion, Hegemon, adds uh, sort of goals that you're competing for. So this for this round, the player who has the most blue in their in their 
Tableau will have will get some points. Uh, so a little, little more interaction there, but it also just has the effect of rewarding the person who happens to have already started working towards that objective uh, by happenstance. So neither neither system was particularly satisfying. But I again, it is a, it is a very interesting system, and I, I'm curious what the other expansions add. So I'll, I'll probably give it a couple more games and then move it along. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of demand for it, considering how hard it is to find. So yeah, that's been my experience with Dominations. I'm still very much in the mood for Civilization games. I have Mosaic learned and ready to go that I'm very curious to to try. And it seems very much more like a, a more conventional Civ game. It has an actual map with resources on it. So uh, I think that's that, that's next on the table. So shall we move on to our featured game? Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi Rush, this came out just a couple of months ago. A bit of a stealth drop, actually. It was announced and released on the same day. Developed by Tango Gameworks and published by Bethesda. And because of Bethesda's special relationship with Microsoft, this game is currently only available on Windows uh, and and Xbox One slash Series XS. Its director is someone called John Johannes, and it's executive produced by Shinji Mikami, inventor of Resident Evil, as I recall. Speaking of Xbox, it is on Game Pass. Throw a coin in the bucket. (laughs) That's right. We are Game Pass shills, so uh, wouldn't you know it? Here's another Game Pass game for you. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Shinji being having worked on Resident Evil. He also, I believe, made Evil Within. There was two games in that series by the same developer. I, I played the second one of those. It was, was a very interesting game. It was a survival horror, more, more action oriented, very cere- not cerebral, but has a very dreamlike logic to the, the way that game was set up. So, but some very fun set pieces and, and, and characters in that. I, I had a lot of fun. So, curious what they've uh, been doing since. Since this is a very different game. Yeah, I think this game was being developed in uh, parallel to Ghostwire Tokyo. I think was there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Ghostwire. Another game that just hit Game Pass, funnily enough, and it had pretty tepid reviews. I am curious to check it out. That's what Game Pass is for. So maybe we can I can come back with that next episode. Yeah, So, but this game is not whatsoever anything like Evil <laughs> no, Within no. or Ghostwire Tokyo <laughs> or like Resident Evil whatsoever. This it game like is totally different. like he needed to get far away from that aesthetic <laughs> after being done with those games. <laughs> what is Hi-Fi Rush all about? Hi-Fi comes from high fidelity, which is often used in relation to audio. And for that same reason, it's very apropos. (laughs) Yeah, this game is all about music. It's all about rhythm, but it's also an action-based game. It's a single-player, third-person platformer. And it's also a beat-em-up, hack-and-slash type combat game with a strong emphasis on rhythm. Yeah, so the the general game structure the way you're moving through the world you you come into these very heavy platforming and and moving through these linear levels and you hit this arena where you're you're fighting a bunch of enemies and it will give you a rank at the end like a a, a, a more s rank or d rank that all feels very much like devil may cry is what came to mind for me very different aesthetic obviously but the general overall structure i think felt, felt was very similar yeah and we talked about ninja gaiden last episode and i think ninja gaiden also had that ranking system if i'm if i'm not mistaken the very old school yes yeah and that's something that i i'm, I'm not a huge fan of uh the the, the, the ranking that is which I'll, I'll cover later but in when you are in that combat though the most distinctive part of this being that it, it becomes a rhythm game so there is a constant beat like the whole the, the world is literally moving to the beats so there'll be songs playing in the background each level tends to have a distinctive song so some created specifically for the game and, and some licensed and then you will be attacking to the beat now it, it, it doesn't necessarily matter whether you you can attack on or off beat. It's just I think the main thing is that you get more damage. It'll boost your damage if you if you reliably on beat. You are playing as Chai, a bit of a um... Chai. He's a bit of a slacker, isn't he? Uh, it's, it's not a, a very original 
take on a protagonist, but he's certainly a slacker coming in and he has grand aspirations to be a rock star, but apparently <laughs> he can't even play any music. There's a little funny joke about that at the end of the game, which I, I won't spoil. But uh, he comes in <laughs> with big heart. Is that's that's the core of it all? Is that he's got a big heart and not a lot of brains, but he's got a Can't positive attitude. <laughs> that's that's precisely right. And the story is not much to write home about. Let's be honest. Basically, this company is announcing this brand new product. And he gets kind of wrapped up in this presentation and he kind of becomes like inadvertently injected with this new power, which kind of replaces his heart Iron Man style with yes. like an iPod touch <laughs> uh, is, is the feel that I got based on that kind of generic music player design. So it's, it's right in there. Zoom, come on. <laughs> oh, sure. You know, it's Microsoft branded. <laughs> But yeah, very much a non-smartphone dedicated music player type thing. And I don't know if this was the case before the transformation or not, but Chai also gains this very elaborate prosthetic arm, which melds with this super augmented guitar that's formed out of junk pieces. And uh, that's his primary weapon to take down the army of robots from this evil corporation called Vandalay. Maybe a nod to Seinfeld, perhaps. Oh, I didn't get that reference. Uh, but it, it's, so it's, I should say this is very colorful, sort of, it's not quite cell shaded, but very, very high contrast animation, very, very colorful world. It's, uh, it's not quite cell shaded, but it is a very high contrast animation style. It looks a bit like a, like an anime, a little bit like a, Voltron actually is what is what what came to mind the new the new version of Voltron that is and, and Vandalay this big dystopian corp- corporation uh, and this ragtag team of misfits sort of grouping up to try and take it down very stereotypical story here feels very much like a, a Saturday morning cartoon I, I think it's all, it's all very earnest uh, and for, it's not the most revolutionary story but it's some fun characters were very relatively well written and just a, a very really striking style it's a very incredible sense of style the animation is just really strong across the board i feel both in game and also some sort of pre-rendered cutscenes. i don't know if you're of the age that remembers saturday morning cartoons it's a phrase that old people say because cartoons were relegated to only certain times <laughs> of the week uh, and uh, that's when they came out. Uh, I certainly remember those times, and it does feel like that. It fi- feels like the 80s and 90s. Uh, I would say it certainly associated the, the art style. Uh, a lot of the time, I was kind of swept up in kind of flashbacks of Borderlands. Yes, that was a definite comparison, I thought. It, it has the same reverence as Borderlands. It has that the similar art style. It's a little more earnest, though, that, than Borderlands. It's not yeah. constantly relying on like references, and it, it, it's very... Whole, not say wholesome, but the character is less vulgar. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> it, it feels more like, I guess, Tales from the Borderlands went a little bit more on this kind of bright, bright colors, and it also had a very strong kind of like corporate, anti-corporate plotline that outing. But of course, that was a different style of game. But what really made me uh, feel like Borderlands when I was playing this was kind of the main antagonist. Uh, his name is Kale which is obviously another type of food, a potentially <laughs> bitter. There's a trend here with all the characters yes, in this game. Yes, that's right. We'll, we'll, <laughs> it's, it's like Dragon Ball or something. They're all named after foods. Uh, so this guy is called Kale, and he has a very like handsome Jack feel Absolutely. to him. Uh, of course, the antagonist from Borderlands 2. So it, it's pretty much like Vor- Borderlands, but take away the dick jokes <laughs> and the dismemberments. The animation is actually really nice. Uh, I discovered by reading the credits that the cartoon-style cutscenes were provided courtesy of the animation studio Titmouse, which I know quite well from a show that I watch called Star Trek Lower Decks. Yes, yep, locally is, made here. Which is locally made here. I don't know if this was done in the same studios. Maybe they have studios elsewhere. But anyways, Titmouse, great work. <laughs> so that was cool to see. Graphically, design-wise, this is great. You mentioned the, the the characters. I think the characters' designs are absolutely charming, both the protagonists and the antagonists. Some of the antagonists 
or a little, I don't know, leave or take. But the main characters are all great. In fact, I noticed a bit of a theme. It's it's not just Chai that has prosthetics, uh, is it? Chai's earliest companion uh, by the name of Peppermint. She has a very prominent prosthetic leg, which has becomes part of the story as well. But, uh, you know, they don't really play it up, really, for the longest time. No. It's just kind of there, and I think it's really positive. I think it's great to see this sort of emphasis in like body positivity and uh, Mm -hmm. different bodies. Yeah, big diversity in the characters across the board, both protagonists and antagonists here. Just the fact that people do have prosthetic limbs, prosthetic uh, body parts, and you know, it's they don't make it woo woo cyberpunk. Yeah, they don't don't draw attention to the fact. Yeah, there there are robots. People have robotic arms. Yeah, yeah. Deal with it. It, It's fantastic. It just feels kind of like a a lived in world in in its very over the top way. Yeah, you don't see much of the world. I will say you only basically see the entire game from within the 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 camp, the Vandalay campus, uh, the, the 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 factory corporation headquarters basically (laughs) yeah there's a couple of scenes where you kind of have a view of over overlooking the city but you're right that's really just kind of out in the draw distance you can't really ever go there but it does seem like a, a cool place to to live and within this very cool world is where the gameplay takes place the majority of the game is 3d platforming it's actually a little bit whole hum in the first probably half or two thirds of the game, I would say is the yeah. There are, there are some secret stuff to, to find, yeah. uh, collectibles, but there's also a lot of things cordoned off that basically restricted with um, with abilities that you don't have yet. So it's hinted that you you're going to want to be revisiting these levels later on. I, I kind of uh, felt licensed to disregard most of those because it felt very clear by the way that they were introducing some of these new abilities that this was intended solely for New Game Plus Mm -hmm. as a reason to re-explore those areas. So that was kind of a good thing. They telegraphed it so that I didn't have to worry about missing (laughs) that secret. It wasn't ever meant for me to get that in the first run. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Like, you don't have a lot of options. You have a jump, you have a double jump, you have a dash... You start to unlock some additional abilities as as more people join your party, but it's largely just find the thing to interact with and press that character's button, and it's done. So nothing particularly engaging in these sections. They're just moving through the world and character chatter, that sort of thing. It's you're really just moving from one sort of arena, battle arena, to the next. That's right. They have these sort of what I would call like non puzzles. They're they're not difficult. You just have to push things in a certain sequence, killing time, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of a um, 3D platformer mainstay. They're not really that difficult. They're just, you know, obstacles. And I get that. I don't love that myself. I kind of found the early goings of the game hard to get into. Not because it was hard, not because it wasn't attractive or fun. It just, it wasn't hooking me with anything original. You know, it's funny because we played a platformer fairly recently that I did enjoy potentially more than this, which was a game called Tinykin. Mm-hmm. Yes. I guess I hadn't played a platformer in a long time <laughs> before that. And I thought the platforming in that was really smooth. Even more so as I beat the game, I just felt like the unique powers that the Tinykin gave you were really fluid. It gave you a lot of uh, easy access with those grinding rails or whatever, if you want to call them that. A lot of mobility options, yeah. And that's something that's really missing here. I didn't want to get too negative just yet, but before (laughs) I lose the trail... I I do think they missed a a golden opportunity here to make make the movement feel more in sync with the rhythm to give you more mobility options for a, a rhythm game you really want to feel like you're moving to the rhythm and that they, they just you just don't hear like you, there'll be jumping puzzles you have to jump on these between platforms but there's no way to jump in such a way that you you continue to jump with the rhythm you have to like jump and stop and reposition and then jump again like right it, 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 you, you can't just keep moving to the rhythm and that that's really sorely missing here unfortunately yeah, I 100% agree. I think they did a pretty good job of making the rhythm work with the combat. So yes, we'll get to that. Sort of yeah. like, 
platforming sequences, and then there's very clearly punctuated moments when you have to do a boss fight or a mini boss fight. There weren't like a super wide variety of robots, but by the end of it, when they mixed and matched them, it made for a fairly enjoyable variety of strategies that you had to implement. But my point is, those seem to be really cordoned off. Platforming and combat were just different. Yes. And they were not really smoothly integrated. Yeah, the, the, the movement feels very floaty. It, it feels very much like uh, Kingdom Hearts, if you've played that. It's very, very floaty jumping. With a rhythm game, you really want it to feel tight. I'm, I'm reminded of uh, another, another platforming game, Rayman Origins, or Rayman Legends, that have specifically platforming levels where you're moving to a song and you're jumping to the beat, and it's just incredibly tightly like that's obviously a, a, a 2d side-scrolling game but you you really want to be feeling like you're in sync with the rhythm when you're when you're playing a, a platforming game like that i did feel at odds in this game when doing the platforming because you know the vast majority of the game is platforming uh, the combat is i would say you know a strong you know third of the game mm. but most of the time you're going to be spent traversing the levels and unlike tinykin these levels are linear in Tinykin, the worlds are sort of free roaming. But this one, it's pretty much, you know, A to A to B. Uh, yeah. you, you get through it and you you leave or A to B, back to A to back to C. It's disappointing because you, you watch the trailer and it looks like the sort of game where you're going to be grinding on rails, like Jet Set right. Radio, and that's just not here, unfortunately. And I don't think we need to dwell on that anymore, but the platforming sections of this game, nothing really to write home about, unfortunately. My point that I was trying to build up to there was that I felt a real dichotomy between the the flow that w- they were really trying to set up, that I believe the combat did successfully, but it had to fight against flow through the careful exploration, yes. right? Yeah, Because it's a 3D platformer, it's got a lot of unlockables and a lot of hidden objects. And I felt compelled to explore carefully and slowly <laughs> yes I, I, I am also a, a collector yeah. collectathon pedant <laughs> right yeah I, I guess you and i are of a type that way and it felt very much at odds with the spirit of the game as in you know i was kind of trudging along slowly in these levels when i feel like they should have been a breeze constantly driving mm-hmm. forward now, there is a couple of sections where you are literally on rails and they're like musical sections. You, you're having to dodge obstacles to the beats. And the, the, those bits were quite thrilling. I really enjoyed those. But there's only two or three in the game, and they're relatively short. I, I would have liked just like more of those, to be honest. Yeah, the parts of the platforming that I thought really worked were came through about near the end. I don't think it's going to be a spoiler to say that you gain multiple helpers through your journey. And then there's sort of like three of them that have a strong effect on your gameplay. So Peppermint is there, of course. Uh, there's a guy called, what is his name? Macaron? Yeah. Macaron is the second. And then the third, I will, I will keep secret at this point because <laughs> it's a bit of a plot spoiler but that third character there's these kind of platforming levels where you have to time the breakdown of this kind of generator and it it sets off a timer a, a very short like 30 second timer that reels up this rube goldberg machine and you have to get through to the end of the rube goldberg machine before that that generator kind of boots back up So they're quite fiendish and Mm -hmm. you kind of have to flip, you know, you start with character three, then you have to flip back to a peppermint to shoot out this one thing. And then, Oh, now you have to switch over to macaron to bust down this door and all of this while the timing is going on. Most of the game is not like that, but the moments when it did come up felt very thrilling because they were like a nice uh, contrast. Oh, yes. Those. Yeah. It certainly had more tension, but they're still not in right. sort of in sync to the beat or the, like it has the, 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 the timing of these puzzles has no relation to the timing of the song that you're hearing at the same time. <laughs> yeah. The only time when I felt it really synced with the music was when the grapple gun. Yes. I guess the, the grappler, you could sort of hit it so that it matched the beats. And I don't even know if it gave you anything when you did that. It just <laughs> felt nice. Uh-huh. So that's kind of how I feel about the platforming. How did you feel about the combat? The combat is definitely a lot better. There is much more of a focus on the rhythm. That's where the rhythm really comes into play here. 
and it's, it's interesting. It's a, again, another dichotomy here, and that is a very forgiving game. You, you don't have to attack to the beat. Regardless of when you press the buttons, the animation will play on the beat. And it's just that if you play, if, if you press the button at the right time, you will get sort of a, a bit of a damage boost. So it's very forgiving in that you will you press the buttons and you'll attack regardless. You don't have this guitar hero effect of when you're pressing the wrong buttons and it's twanging away and, and everything's out of tune. Uh, so you don't really feel the, the, the loss there. So, so it, it's, it's incredibly lenient in how it guides you in extremely heavily tutorialized. There's like three layers of tutorialization for every new mechanic. It adds at the start of the game. At the same time, I, I'm I'm just not really driven by combo-based games. Memorizing combos does nothing for me. <laughs> what, you're not a Street Fighter fan? No, no. And then, then this is largely about that. I mean, I was able to get by without much challenge, just button mashing largely, but I was never... Like, the relation to why XXY does, X, does this effect and why YYX does a different effect just feels completely arbitrary to me. I don't really get into the combos either. I was never good at Street Fighter. I couldn't pull off a Mortal Kombat fatality if if you had a gun to my head. And I'm going to bring up the subject of character upgrades because it sort of refers to the to the combat. I want to ask you how you upgraded your character because you 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 collect you collect this resource. They're kind of like computer chips or something like that. And you can buy upgrades. So in, in a way, this is you know an action RPG, this game. You can upgrade moves. So just like combat moves, kind of like Shenmue, actually, if you recall that, that old chestnut. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can unlock special moves, like the uh, moves that you Use deploy when you, yeah. Yeah, when you build up your limit break. And then you can build up your attributes. And then they have this thing called chips, which are like these slottable upgrades that you can sort of mix and match you can have upwards of four or five chips uh if you've unlocked the slots for them there's an upgrade to unlock more chips to then spend more money so yeah it's like double levels of of upgrades feeding into each other there (laughs) yeah Uh, can i ask how how you built out how you spec'd out your character so i i i mean i i initially went to the the combos as having more options in the combos but i only get one at a time because i never wanted to feel like i was having to learn too many new combos so I'd, i'd get one new combo whenever i had the chance and then dump the rest into either like new health slots or um, ev- eventually the, the chips once those are unlocked. The specials, I just I found one that I liked and tended to use that for a while, and then eventually would switch that out when I got bored. But mostly, I just gradually unlock one new ability at a time because I just again don't want to be memorizing combo <laughs> combo uh, button presses. I unlocked like one. Uh, attack i unlocked one special uh, i think it's called pick me up it's the one that gives you health back oh, at, okay. when you when you deploy your limit break and then pretty much i spent all of my upgrades on chip slots and chip upgrades <laughs> and my strategy was you know you those three companions that you have with you they basically have like a cooldown timer i maxed out the character cooldown reduction Mm-hmm. Yes, I had, I had the same one. <laughs> For all three characters. And then I had a couple other things. I forget what they are. But basically, my strategy by the end of it, by the last quarter of the game, was that I would whip them out because you can cycle through them. And because their cooldown timers are independent, you can deploy one, deploy the next, deploy the next. And by the time you get through three of them, the first one is pretty much cooled down. Yeah, and, and chaining those abilities was one of the more fun elements. It was it, it's it's a little tricky, like the timing of, of bouncing back and forth while you're dodging, while you're attacking, while deflecting, balancing balancing all those effects is, is tricky. But when you do, uh, like seeing all the, your your friends running in and helping you out, and it, it's quite a lot to to, to balance here, and it, it is quite thrilling to get that right. It, it, it's, it really is a lot of customization in both those chips in the special abilities, like they all have pretty wildly different effects. So there is a lot of customization if you go digging into those upgrades. Yeah, there's even one one of the chips is a red herring. It's a chip that you're intentionally not supposed to invest in because it 
it does something it makes your abilities worse but they were just trying to to see if someone was actually reading those those upgrades so that was kind of funny but i don't know if that's like an optimal strategy it just seemed to work for me and i'm glad that customization was available to me made me feel like i was a little bit more sort of the master of my own uh, destiny when it came to how I played this game. So yeah, 100% agree. I did not focus on the combos whatsoever. And I only unlocked a few more by the end of it when I was sort of running out of things to spend money on. <laughs> but yeah, so at the end of the game, there's still a lot more to upgrade. Uh, again, you're sure. encouraged to do um, this challenge modes and new game plus and, and all kinds of other things to play once you get the end. Um, I was a button masher too, button masher all the way, or more to say I have was a tried and true combo user. <laughs> because, you know, if you play that way, slow and steady, you can beat the game. Mm-hmm. And, and there is a lot of uh, good feedback, I would say, in, in how it presents the the rhythm. The, like I said, the, the whole world is literally moving to the rhythm. We've not mentioned yet, you have a, one of the, another companion, Bob, 808, uh, a little cat companion who follows you around and when in combat, will, it becomes like a, a ball and will throw it around you and he will pulse to the beat. So you have this constant reminder of what the beat is. You have these finishes, like combo finishes that will give you a big prompt in the middle of the screen that you have to like hit, hit a button as the circles overlap to get to like do a a finisher move at the end of a combo so you have lots of really good feedback feedback loops on on, on making sure that you're hitting this rhythm so that it it was quite accessible in that sense yeah it's it's funny it's it's almost like a game like cuphead or something where the entire world is pulsing along Mm -hmm. to the rhythm to 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 obviously the bpm of the uh, the background track so there's these like circuitry in the walls that are sort of pulsing along and that was quite distracting at the beginning <laughs> I, I sort of felt like oh i'm supposed to hit these with the time but in, in the end i realized you that was not what you're supposed to do but they were there were rem- reminders Rather than having a didactic Dance Dance Revolution style cue coming up on the screen, it's just sort of reminded you uh, to keep the rhythm that way. And uh, yeah, I liked 808 as well. It's funny, I played this game with the the Japanese voice track. So oh. her character, the cat, uh, is voiced by a woman. So <laughs> I always think of her as a, as a woman. And her name is Yaoya, which is uh, sort of a pun on the numbers 808. <laughs> 808 being, of course, the legendary drum machine, the TR-808 from Roland, I believe. Interesting. Whenever you close a menu or something, you hear an 808, what is it, a rim shot or something like that, uh, which is quite nice. Well, I noticed there's a a particular guitar riff that sounds extremely similar to Bill and Ted. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And they even say, excellent. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was kind of strange, actually, like... You know, it is retro, but it didn't really feel like that era exactly. I don't I don't know. It just felt a little bit off. Maybe it was because the music, the licensed music was a little bit newer. Yeah, I wasn't particularly familiar with it. You do have uh, Nine Inch Nails is the only band I'm familiar with. Uh, oh, the, the Prodigy, was that, was that a song? Oh, Beethoven, of course. That's, that's pretty old. <laughs> that That's pretty old, but it was a kind of a techno remix version of that. Yeah, perfect drug, perfect drug. That that song repeated a yeah, lot. Yeah, a bit repetitive before the end. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the music itself, it was, it was fitting, I would say. It's not my jam necessarily, but like it, it fit the style well enough. I, I never felt entirely in sync with it. Like, despite all of these prompts and all of these assistance for, for keeping you in, in the beat, I was never able to, to sync up fully. Like, I was always somewhere like 50 and 60% on beat, it's like, because it always gives you a ranking at the end of each combat. I don't know, maybe it's just too forgiving because it, it, it's so forgiving. And when you hit the buttons, you're never forced to really find that sweet spot. Yeah, I think that's probably a credit to the game design and a credit to the game that it's flexible enough to let a totally rhythm rhythmically incapable button masher get through the game. And I, I don't think it's trying to gatekeep anyone out of this. No, and no accessibility it, is, is to be, is to be approved. I, right. I'm totally on board with that. Yeah. And it has the potential and some people even could potentially be turned off by hearing, Oh, this is a rhythm game, like a rhythm action game. 
What was the game that you played? The kind of Doom-ish Metal Hellsinger. Yeah, I was looking for an excuse to bring that up. That which, which I really enjoyed. So there, you you are somewhat forced to shoot to the beat, and it does have a little bit to, to some degree the that guitar hero effect where if you shoot off beat, then it, you kind of get the, the twang of, of being out of key but because you just shoot. It's just one button. You just, you shoot, 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 shoot. They occasionally dodge. It's pretty easy to stay on beat. It's just a matter of aiming and shooting. So I felt that was much easier to sync up with the music. And you've got this, like, the, because the, it's layering in such a way that you have the the, the tracks, you have the drums and the guitar and the, the vocals layering on as you get better rankings. Whereas here in, in Hi-Fi Rush, I so rarely f- heard vocals. Like occasionally I'd, I'd hear the vocals start to come in for five seconds and then it'd go again. It's like, am I just not, playing to the beat enough or it's you know it, it just never felt like i was i was really hearing the, the music coming in fully i intuited that the music build was based more on the narrative than it yeah, was it would ramp on... up over the course of a level because a level can be like yeah. an hour long right that's right and this is a long time to listen to the same track <laughs> and uh yeah thankfully they varied things up and you know of course there's dialogue happening a lot of the times and cutscenes breaking in here and there to change the pace of things but uh yeah i never really got the feel that it was you know feeding back on you musically like a guitar hero was i felt like it was more tied to the narrative like where am yeah. i literally standing platform wise and then it will trigger the next uh, music build or something like that so uh, yeah, I thought it was quite forgiving and quite, you know, it shouldn't be anything that pre- prevents a platform game lover from trying out this game. You don't have to be rhythmically with it to to get uh, do well in this game. The feedback, to, to be honest, I hardly ever got more than a C grade at the end of my <laughs> levels. Most of my levels were C grades, and I think I got some Bs and never any S's. Yeah, that's, like even what you, like, it doesn't really mean anything, but it's always so depressing. Like I, I just don't like games as rankings, to be honest. It just gives me too much anxiety. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. I finished one of the levels, and you, you can get some upgrades that will make the scoring a bit more forgiving, which which I did buy into. At the end of one of the levels, maybe it was the second to last or the third to last, I got my rankings. It said A, A, B, A, A, B, A, S, you know, because it scores you for each of the, I don't know, the combat legs readings, of your yeah. journey. And then at the end, it gives you a cumulative score. And my cumulative score for that was C. <laughs> so I don't understand where the C came out when I didn't score below a B once. I don't understand the scoring whatsoever. I know it takes into account like if you died and continued and a few right. other things like that. Yeah, yeah, that must be it. I died a ton. <laughs> but mostly in the last quarter, last third of the game. Yeah, there was a bit of a difficulty spike towards the end. I must say, you know, I'm kind of getting near the end of my feedback, but I got to say, I found it hard to get back to this game. I found it hard to finish this game. Not but be- because it was hard, but because I really wasn't that jazzed by it i really wasn't pulled back by anything it felt not very original not very special it felt solid adequate but i really it didn't get its teeth into me until about the probably the the mimosa fight mm, which is the third yeah. to the last boss that mimosa level, by the way, it was kind of a throwaway. It was, it was fine, <laughs> platforming wise. But that that boss battle was actually pretty innovative. I thought. Yeah, well, let's talk about boss fights uh, as, sure. as the last sort of third of what this game is, and that I think is is one of the again probably the most distinctive part of this, where where it does shine particularly well. So they they kind of build lay it out for you pretty quick. There's like these executives of the Vandalay Company. Or their d- department heads, I guess you could call six them. Six bosses. <laughs> like literally the right. bo- bosses of the of the company. It right. is very seven evil X's Scott Pilgrim style. Like this That's is right. this game cribs a lot of style from Scott Pilgrim. For, for for the better, I think. And as a result, it's spelled out you for for you very early on who you're gonna be facing. You know you're gonna be fighting each and every one of those. So that's that's why it's not a spoiler to say Mimosa is 
one of the bosses because <laughs> you will definitely fight all of them. Mimosa is the third from the last. Uh, there's there's one before the, the final boss, which is obviously Kale. And that was the first boss fight where I thought that it really sort of branched out like level-wise. Like the arena was actually larger, wider. And then they they integrated it more with the music. Like mm-hmm. it, the 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 backstory is that there's like a sort of a concert going on, and they're they're you're fighting in the middle of a performance, and that that part of it I thought was fiendishly enjoyable. A lot it of spectacle, pretty, yeah, yeah, like lighting effects. And, and every boss fight it tends to be pretty unique. I thought they all play pretty differently. Like so one plays like a fighting game. Like you one on one sort of side scrolling fight, like a literally Street Fighter fighting game. One is more about sort of dodging QTE events. Then you've got like Mimosa, that's this big spectacle stage musical show off. And I I won't spoil some of the later ones, but yeah, I I do think they really do distinguish themselves in terms of different play styles. You've you've, different little mini games for, for the boss fights. There is a lot of variety in the sort of the inputs. Like um, you mentioned 2D. Funny enough, this game has some like near automata style. Yeah, ships. it's really weird that like didn't really add much. <laughs> yeah, they're they're kind of throwaways, to be honest. I, I like them. I thought they were cute. The first time it came around, I was like, ha, you know, this is a hilarious little Mario joke. And then they did it like two or three more times. And I'm like, uh, whatever, this is fine, <laughs> I guess. So that was okay. And then, like, a heavy reliance on QTEs. Yes. And there's not just one type of QTE. There's, like, three or four different styles of QTEs in this game. One of them is that parry-dodge yeah. maneuver, which comes up a lot. Which is okay. I thought Keep that was fine. repetitive, though. Every time you bring a, a monster, like a, one of the robots down to a certain health point, it'll do, like, a, a super move and with a it'll have an attack that you have to dodge to the beat but not to the beat of the music to the beat of the like the each enemy will have its own little like rhythm that you have to dodge to and again it's it's fun but it's not the rhythm of the music yeah it's its own rhythm that it brings up and pulls you out a little bit i don't know (laughs) yeah and then there's even like these narrative qtes like one of them quite prominently before you enter the the final boss fight is this sort of like supposed to be this emotionally stirring but oh, also quite yeah. also yeah. quite comedic moment. You know that <laughs> by the end of it it ends up feeling a lot like another game we covered called <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. This oh, game yes, yeah. has band the of soul, yes. <laughs> a literal band of misfits with you know the, with a portable music player strapped to their body flying through space pretty much in their futuristic technology, the sort of the soul stirring, you know, friends coming together, having each other's backs. Very hokey, but I I thought it was effective. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It it definitely has heart. It's very Um, very earnest. I will give it that as opposed to like, as a borderlands, like we described earlier. So I, I, I think that works largely. Yeah, that QTE scene was was cute. <laughs> it can get a little much by the end of it. So long story short is I'll say I didn't love the whole journey, but by the end of it, I was really glad I played the game. It's a real standout in the sense that it's a throwback. And it for what it is, it's really quite polished. Oh, it's, yeah, incredibly slick. Play, plays incredibly smoothly. Incredible style. It's just the actual gameplay uh, isn't necessarily for me, but I, I, it's still a, a fun ride. I, I, I'd say, no, this is like, let's say rush it, but don't take your time collecting everything. It, that just drags the momentum and pacing down. You know what I'll say about this is I will say that this is a welcome return of the double A game. <laughs> there weren't so many indies back in the day as there are now, but not every game had to be this triple A blockbuster. There were these sort of like middling kind of okay games that came out and they were fun and enjoyable. And we play them in between the big tent poles. Mm-hmm. And those games are perfect for Game Pass, such as, such as this. Yeah, absolutely. So this feels like solidly a double A game. And I love that that's coming back because that yeah. just means, just like there are non MCU movies, it just means that there's more types of things you can enjoy in between those tent poles and that there's more types of games for more different types of people. So I, welcome this style of game coming back and i think this solidly fits that mold so 
by the end, I, I did enjoy myself. It just was a slow build up and kind of hard to get into at the start for me. Yeah, no, but I, I think definitely check it out for the style, the animation, the the comedic timing. Ironically, is is really strong. I thought I like I literally did laugh out loud uh, a, f- a few times with, with with some of the sort of story cutscenes. And they said it's nothing. The story isn't revolutionary or anything, but it's very earnest and and sweet and heartfelt, and some 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 fun characters. Uh, so I think it's worth checking out f- for that. Yeah, the, some of the memorable side characters get to be actual actual playable characters for a <laughs> short spans of time. I'm not going to give away which ones. That final a final boss fight, I I, <laughs> I, I did really enjoy that. <laughs> Yeah, and one thing I'll say is that even though this game is quite polished for what it is, there was a level near the end where I literally busted through a wall. Huh. And I was super surprised by that. That hasn't happened to me in ages, Hmm. where I busted through a wall to the other side of this sequence of construction zone Mm -hmm. worlds, if you recall that one. Yes. And in the middle of a mini-boss fight, I was busted onto the other side of the wall, I could hear him punching on the other side, and I had oh. nowhere else to go. Yeah, you mentioned I've never had any bugs with this game at all. So, yeah, pretty pretty solid experience on my end. <laughs> yeah, just must have been me, uh, Xbox Series X. I had to manually get out of the game because my save oh. point, wow. I ended up back on a platform that I couldn't proceed on because the, the scripted event had already passed. Speaking of uh, of uh, save points, that's another accessi- a point in um, favor of accessibility. Even within a boss fight, like the boss fights all have like multiple tiers, and if you right. die on on like tier two, you start at the beginning of that tier. Like it doesn't take you back to the beginning of the boss fight. So again, incredibly forgiving in in how it guides you through so if you're if you if you afraid like if, if you don't think you're very good at sort of action games or rhythm games don't let that stop you necessarily it is particularly forgiving yeah much appreciated i could not have finished this game if we didn't have those tiered boss fight uh save save points like you mentioned mm-hmm so well, should we put a kappa on the so i was trying to think of a musical term to throw in there and it failed me <laughs> let's go to the coda of this particular <laughs> composition there you go shall we talk about our next game as you've alluded to you're going to be on holiday shortly maybe i'm not going to be around for the next episode are you gonna get a get a guest arc come yeah, on yeah so i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna bring back our guest co-host Dennis uh, aka Quaid Rain who you may know from the board game community so we haven't decided picked a game yet but we will be discussing a board game so stay tuned to socials for what we're going to be playing uh, Dennis Ryan friend of the show glad to hear that he will be back and I look forward to listening to that episode myself first as an editor <laughs> as a listener <laughs> yes, great well, if uh, anyone has any recommendations for uh, Japanese games to check out please let us know if you have any comments on this episode uh, if you've played Hi-Fi Rush we'd love, to, we'd love people when they join the club let us know your thoughts uh, at omnigamersclub at gmail.com that's right omnigamersclub on twitter as well uh, if you're still on there yeah, look forward to hearing any feedback you might have. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mark. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, looking forward to next episode. Until then, everyone have a balanced diet of gaming. <laughs>